everyone. Mike Vogel here for Break the Ice. Uh, welcome to, I guess, another season of, of Break the Ice. We kind of consider the uh, July area to be the, the beginning of a new uh, season. And we're only 48 hours removed from the dust settling at the 2023 NHL Draft in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, so we're joined, as always, at this time of year for as long as I can remember, as long as we've been doing these sorts of things, which is... Uh, a couple of decades now, and uh, we're joined by Ross Mahoney, Caps Assistant General Manager and longtime draft guru. And, and Ross just got done conducting his 26th NHL draft in Nashville. He is the Dean of NHL Draft Conductors. So, Ross, thanks as always. We always appreciate having you uh, on here to uh, run down the list of, of the newest capitals, and we'll spend a little time... Um, Maybe clearing up some some questions that that I have and that I assume some of you may have as well on uh, some of the players who are already in the system. Um, certainly, it was a different draft for you guys this year. First time in 16 years that you're pulling a player from the top 10, and there was a lot of intrigue there after Connor Bedard went to the Hawks at, at number one. Um with your eighth overall pick, you managed to get Ryan Leonard from the uh, U.S. Development Team program, and uh, he sounds like quite, quite a package, quite a prospect. And and you know, this was a year in which, if there's going to be one year where you do fall a little short during the regular season and manage to get a top ten pick, this seemed like the year to do it. And I know he was a guy that you guys um, had sort of honed in on and hoped he would be there when you were picking there at number eight. Um, what can you tell us about him? He's he's a, a a right wing, and he seems like a really well-rounded forward. I saw someone who actually described him as perhaps the most well-rounded forward of all the players drafted. That would include one Connor Bedard. Yeah, you know, it's uh, to begin with. I guess the the each draft is kind of different, and uh, this year was really interesting in the sense that I think everybody was said that Connor Bedard was going to be the number one pick, and then. We really weren't sure, you know, who would go, who would go two or three, um, at least not what order. Um, and uh, in all honesty, I didn't think, uh, you know, our our pick would be there when we picked. I really thought there was a chance he was going to go more five, six, seven. Yeah. You know, when we were picking eight, I I think, um, you know, I was a bit surprised, but it was a great surprise because this young fella has a real, uh, he can really shoot the puck. I mean, he, he scores goals. It was very evident on the under 18, uh, USA developmental team, you know, I mean, not that shy of a goal a game, you know, I think he had 51 goals in 56 games, something in that area. I mean, the, uh, under 18 world championships, more than a goal a game, you know, he had almost a goal a game last year in the under 18 world championships as a, as a 16 year old. Uh, so he's, he's got the, he could skate, He's got the uh, shot for sure. He can make plays, but he also he plays with uh, he plays with an honest game. He's not afraid to take the puck to the net, not afraid to finish his checks. You know, so I think that kind of sets him apart from uh, some of the other players that were in this year's draft. Was not just the skill level and the sense, but the physicality also. Kind of a neat little note too that he's the first um, American player you guys have chosen in the first round since John Carlson in 2008, and of course, Carly has the uh, the prestige of of scoring a gold medal, game winning overtime goal in the uh, under 20 World Juniors. Leonard has that same distinction, albeit at a lower level. The under 18s uh, 
in World Juniors and, and doing it against Sweden, but still kind of a neat little connection between those two guys. Obviously, Carlson did it uh, after his draft, Leonard before. And, and the first American-born forward taken in the first round by the Capitals since before your time here in Washington, that would have been Pat Peak, a guy whose career was sadly and unfortunately cut short by uh, a, you know, a couple of really gnarly uh, injuries. Um, so we'll, let's move on to the, the second pick, and then I want to ask you a question that sort of dovetails into both of these these two guys, because you know, Andrew Crystal, I think a lot of people thought he would go in the first round. He was ranked pretty highly by a number of the uh, the scouting reports that, that we typically read at, at this time of year. Uh, a left wing from uh, Kelowna, I believe, in the, the Western League, and, and a guy who, again, a, a goal scorer. This is... Um, these are two two top six wingers uh, that you've picked up here, uh, top six potential for sure in in Leonard and Crystal, um, Crystal uh, a left wing, Leonard a right wing, and uh, everything you hear about Crystal is that he he sort of. Uh, Plays with the puck like it's like it's on a, a yo-yo. I, you know, there's so many things when I look at him and I listen to him talk, and and he's he's very he's a pretty effervescent kid, and then you know he, he he's got these these puck dangling skills. I mean, I think T.J. Oshie in in my head, just in the way that oh, you watch Osh during warmups and the the funky little things he likes to do, and you know, asking Crystal about his how he came about, and he says, yeah, just in the backyard, and you know, just nonstop shooting pucks and playing around with pucks and stuff, and it, you know, all those reps, ten thousand hours to to the Malcolm Gladwell theory, and uh, here he is. Yeah, no, really happy to 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 get Andrew. I mean. His hands and his sense are, they're, they're ridiculous. I mean, and, and I love how unselfish he is. I mean, if I was at, uh, on his team, I'd love to be playing on his line because I know he'd find me and be able to, you know, enable you to score some easy goals. Um, yeah, the hockey sense, the vision, um, as you said, the puck is kind of glued to his stick, you know. Really, really tricky, really sneaky with the puck. But uh, and like I said, the unselfishness is, is awesome. That sounds like he's pretty good friends with Connor Bedard. I think Matthew Wood and uh, Zach Benson they they kind of run in a in a group together. That's uh that's a whole lot of uh, first round talent from this year. Yeah, no, they, I think guys. they all played uh, growing up together in some of those uh, kind of elite teams when they were younger. And I think Connor Bedard had had given uh, Andrew a lot of credit too for being yeah. one of the smartest players he's ever played with or played against. And you know that's that's pretty high praise from a, a former teammate. I heard that as well, and I agree. Now, um, going back to the 2019 draft in in Vancouver, um, over that period of time, Connor McMichael, Hendricks Lapierre, um, Ivan Moroshnichenko, now Ryan Leonard, and Andrew Crystal. That's a lot of potentially top six, top nine forward talent added into the organization um, over over a span of five years, and and. How do you feel like – I feel like you guys have really done a good job of replenishing what had been probably at the beginning of that that five-year stretch, a little bit of a lack of, of real high-end talent um, that was in the organization, and understandably so because there were so many drafts where you guys only had three or four picks, sometimes didn't have a pick until the fourth round, um, often didn't have a pick in the first round, or if you did have one, you are picking in the late 20s and even – where everyone wants to pick the the last pick in the first round that yeah, back in twenty eighteen. It's you know, when you're 
making a run for the Stanley Cup, you know, your currency is is young players and draft picks. You know, you're not taking anything out of your lineup. So, yeah, we went through some years where we didn't have as many picks. Or, you're, I mean, you have a really good team and you're picking 26, 28, 32. You know, that uh, that says a lot. So it was it was interesting to, to again, pick in the top 10, as you said earlier, that uh, we hadn't done that for a long, long time. But, uh, yeah, I think the young group of forwards we're assembling are, are you know, there's, there's a lot of them have a chance to be top six forwards. I mean... To watch guys like Mirosh and and Leonard shoot the puck, you know, they can really let it go. And Lapierre and, and Crystal, not that they, you know, I mean, they shoot well also, but they're excellent playmakers with really good vision, both, you know, really unselfish. And, and Connor McMichael kind of does both, you know. He's he's able to score and, and he uh, moves the puck well also. So, I mean, I, I think uh, the future looks pretty good as far as having some players that have the ability to be in the top six. And you've got all three of those positions, the forward positions within that group. And, pretty, you know, some diversity, too. There's some speed. There's there's a lot of skill, but um, some speed, a little bit of uh, a little bit of edge there, too. It seems like a, a, a diverse group. They're not all, you know, similar exact uh, prototypes of, of one another as well. Yeah, no, I mean, we've got uh, left-handed shots, right-handed shots, yep. left-wingers, right-wingers, centers. We've got some that can play the wing-end centers, so there is some uh, diversity there for sure, without a doubt. And then you guys did not have a, a pick in the third round this year, and in the fourth round at uh, 104 overall, um, pulled Patrick Thomas, a second-year eligible kid from uh, Hamilton of the uh, OHL Hamilton Brantford, I guess. Um, and... He, I guess, given his age, I think he's an August birthday, could have one more year in the Ontario League or two. What, what would you like to see from him this year? And is the I'm not sure how that that roster looks for that team going forward. But how do you expect his role to to possibly expand this year? And what can you tell us about him as a player? Yeah, you know, our our scouts in Ontario, um, Carl Stewart. Phil Horner and obviously Steve Bowman, our head scout, lives in that area. They were really, uh, really impressed with the year he had. Um, as you said, he went through a draft, uh, you know, one draft already. Um, but they they really, um, really like the sense, really like his playmaking abilities, his scoring touch. The challenge for him, as with a lot of younger players, will be to get himself stronger for sure. But, I mean, I, I think we... we look forward to seeing him this year play more of a, a top six role on his team, you know, try to get on the first power play and and to have a real big year offensively. And one of the reports I read that said that the, the line he was playing on last year, and I think one of the kids is is matriculating. It may have been an overager uh, on that line last year. And the other kid was Nick Lardis, who's you know one of the fastest skaters in the whole draft who went to Chicago in the third round. But they were, I guess, one of the hottest lines in that league over the, the second half of the season. Yeah, they really well. They ended up... Uh, you know, trading for Nick Lardis out of got got him out of Peterborough, and then I think once those kids got together and got a few games under their belt, they really developed uh, good chemistry. Um, so yeah, no, I I, I think it's going to be a real good situation for him as far as the amount of ice time he's going to get. Uh, like I said, how high up in the lineup he'll play, and and the amount of power play time he's going to get. Um, I'm really intrigued by the fifth round pick. That was uh, Cam Allen at uh, 136 overall. He's a defenseman. Um, and uh, Cam, at this time last year, I think a lot of a lot of uh, scouts had him going in the first round, uh, coming off a really good 
uh, rookie season at, at Guelph, and for whatever reason, uh, didn't get off to a good start. Things kind of spiraled on him, um, but it seemed like uh, you know, in, in my our conversations with him uh, after he was drafted, seemed to take responsibility for um, not having the season that he wanted, and uh, you know, said he was putting too much pressure on himself, and happy to have the draft behind him, happy to finally hear his name called, happy to come to Washington. Um, what can you tell us, like, what did you see in, in the way of uh, his freshman year at Guelph versus the, the season that just had? And, and what does it maybe point out about how important that aspect of the game is? Um, something that I think every player has to, has to deal with, and maybe it's a little harder to deal with when you're, you're an 18-year-old kid. Yeah, and I think, you know, as you said, his underage year as a 16-year-old, he had a really good year and probably uh, showed even more offense as an underage. You know, like it looked like, a, you know, good skill, moved the puck really well. Now when you're 16, the expectations are not the same that you probably put on yourself as compared to your draft year. And then he, he started off the, uh, the summer really well. He was captain for Canada's yeah. under-18 team. So you're looking at the best 20-year-olds in the country, and uh, he was the captain. Um, they end up winning the gold medal in the Linka tournament. Um, you know, he played big minutes there, uh, really competitive guy, skates well, you know, works hard. And then the season started in Guelph. I think they made a coaching change quite early in the year too. And, uh, it's almost like he, he didn't get himself untracked a little bit, you know, kind of, I think maybe a bit of a confidence factor also probably, you know, I think sometimes, uh, these young guys put a lot, a lot of pressure on themselves when they're, when it's their draft year. So, Happy to get him where we did, and uh, look forward to him having a having a real good year this year in Guelph. Sometimes you get that you get drafted, that's out of the way. Yeah. You know, and you move on, and you take a little pressure off yourself, and you you get out there and have some fun and and play hard, and, and things work out even better. I mean, he seemed to be genuinely relieved that the whole draft. Yeah. I'm sure you know, give given the the microscope in in Canada that that the the draft brings out that it, it's certainly something that that he would have you know wanted to get through. And I wonder too, because you know we've talked a lot the last couple of weeks, and you've been effusive in the, in your praise for the Caps development uh, group that that's done such a good job and had a lot to do with Hershey hoisting the uh, the Calder Cup this year, but. I, I just wonder, you know, he, he seems like, Cam seems like a kid who's got got a handle on what he thinks the problem is, and I wonder how much he would benefit from, you know, having a little bit of face-to-face time with a guy like Brooks Orpik in that group, and, and um, you know, and, and he's spending some time um, talking to someone else about, you know, getting his mind in a good place for each game and getting a good routine is what he talked about as being important um, on a, on a game in game out basis uh, to get his head in a good place for, for each game as he goes out there. Yeah, no, our, I mean, our, our uh, development team, I think is, is second to none. I mean, Steve Richmond, you know, leading the way as the director of it. And uh, obviously with Ole Kolzig and Jim Slater and then, uh, you know, Brooks, being a, a defenseman, and, and uh, I think it, he'll be able to help, you know, our young draft pick so much with uh, not just on the ice but also off the ice, like you said, with maybe sometimes keeping things simple, you know, and just getting out there and working hard but having fun and enjoying the game. And, and like I said, good things will happen. But, uh, I mean, it's all of our young defensemen are in a really good 
spot being able to have uh, not just such a good former player and you know Brooks Orpik Stanley Cup winner, but uh, Brooks Orpik the person too. Mm-hmm. I mean, huge, like an unbelievable character guy, and uh, yeah, I think it's great for a young defenseman to be able to be mentored by him. And Steve too, longtime pro. Yeah, Steve played pro well. defense. For, yeah, I mean I, those guys are, uh, and they get it. And you know, Steve had a son who was an early second round pick That's that right. you know yep. was drafted and played some in the NHL and had his career. And you know, Steve, I think it really relates really, really well to that to that age group. And like I said, he's been through all those things with his own son. And so yep. I, you know, I think it's just. Uh, such a good situation for our young players that we draft in all positions, not just the defensemen. Uh, no sixth-round pick for the Caps this year, but then in the seventh round at uh, number 200, you guys went for a third-year eligible guy, Brett Hyland from uh, Brandon of the Western League, and he's a guy who leapt into the uh, point-per-game realm in in his uh, his season this, this past year. And he could theoretically step into the pros this year what's what's going to be the determining factor as to whether he goes back to to the w or or jumps in 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 south carolina or or hershey and and where do you see his uh his uh skills attributes and career arc headed yeah you know he's uh as you said he'd been through a couple drafts um really strong in his skates he's he's put together you know he's he's real solid really good skater um unfortunately towards the end of the year he ended up with a little bit of a knee injury he had been over a point a game you know so that kind of i guess hurt a little bit for him um as far as the future goes you know to go back and play another year of junior hockey um, would be a good situation in a lot of ways just like we did last year with uh with ryan hoffer you yeah. know he went back and had a great year, played big minutes, ended up getting traded, playing in the Memorial Cup. So, I mean, that's definitely uh, an option for Brett. Um, and some of those players, too, you know, they, they played in the bubble where they only played 25 yeah. games one year, and they might not have even played all 25 games. So, you know, a lot of those kids, uh, they probably missed out on 60 games from that year. They would, you know, normally play 80 or 100 games, and depending on how they do in the playoffs. So I think for a lot of those younger players, it's okay. It's It's a good option to be there, but... You know what? It'll be. It'll depend on him. It'll be, depend on what he does in the in the summer. It'll depend on what he how he does when he comes back to camp and what kind of impression he makes. You know, but uh, I think either either way, it'll be good for him. And, and no real reason to rush him because you guys seem to be pretty well set at the forward position as far as at least as far as Hershey goes this year. So yeah, and it's it's like I said, it's good to go back and have a tremendous year and. You know, usually when you go back and, and you're an older player, you're going to play higher up the lineup. You get more yep. power play opportunities, you know, penalty killing. And I think you get a chance to be a to leader out too. there and, yeah, be a leader on your team. And, and uh, usually it works out really well, especially, you know, probably finding your offensive game more because you get a lot more opportunities than when you were six, than when you were 16 or a 17 year old. It's one of the other weird things about this draft was there were for the first time since 2007 no picks on the floor at all in the first round. Now, obviously, picks first round picks get exchanged going you know before the draft and all that, but not until sometime after you you made your second round pick at number 40 did the first on the floor um, pick or a trade I should say happen, which uh, I thought was bizarre and. Uh, surprising to me for sure, but you guys did pull off a deal late 
in the in the uh, draft, which I thought was pretty interesting. You know, you you, you guys take um, Brett Highland at two hundred, and we're kind of putting our pencils away and everything. And it was like, oh no, hold on, it seems like uh, we're gonna we're gonna make a little move here. And so you you flip the two two thousand twenty five uh, seventh rounder to San Jose um, for the Sharks seventh rounder this year, and that's. Uh, Pick 206, which to me is always, I think, an interesting pick. I think that's the Henrik Lundqvist pick, if I'm not mistaken. 204, 206, it's somewhere in there. Um, and you took a, a goaltender uh, from France, a guy named uh, Antoine Keller, who, who's, I guess, playing in the uh, – uh, is it the Swiss – the under league, or is he in the actual uh, – he was in the Swiss Junior League. Okay, the, that's like why – Yeah, I the top yeah, Junior yeah. League. Yeah, so, yeah, Antoine was uh, – he came on our radar uh, a year before, uh, playing with the uh, French, you know, national team, junior team, and uh, thought he played really well in the in the championships. And then we had an opportunity to see him again playing in this year's World Junior, like not the top pool, right, but right. the next pool. And uh, again, he played well. And uh, then we tracked him even more playing for Geneva, as I said in the uh, in the Swiss Junior League. But he also was uh, spent a lot of time in the elite league as a third goalie uh, in practices, and mm. so our our, uh, our scouts really liked him a lot. And uh, we were like, "Hey, we like this guy. Let's uh, let's make a trade. Let's get another pick, and let's uh, you know let's let's take him." So if he's a third goalie in practice, he he's facing men. He's 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 playing against true pros in in that league, which is you know has really evolved into a pretty pretty good league that you know. During during times of strife here, i.e., pandemic, labor stoppage, and stuff, players from the NHL are happy, very happy to play in that league. Um, so that's got to be a, a real boon for him. And I mean, six three seems like he's he's got a good good frame. Um, probably still growing a little bit. How, how do you? Uh, I know because I know over the years from talking to you. One of the, one of the most important things for you guys is trying to divine how an eighteen year old kid who maybe to to take it to to the North American level is playing in high school or is playing in the you know a, a lower tier junior league how they're going to translate to a higher level so how do you do that with a goaltender who's playing in Europe at a at a lower level how do you project him out Yeah, you know you you can't get hung up with the environments that they're playing in. I mean, because sometimes they're in the elite leagues, they're playing in major junior, they could be playing in college, they could be playing high school, they could be playing USHL, there's a, you know, it could be in Europe on a big ice surface, it could be in the smaller ice surface in North America, and it's, you know, for us, it's like, let's just look at his attributes, you know, he's a goaltender, you know, how does he move, has he got powerful movements, Is he, you know, challenge the goalie, Is good glove hand, what's his focus like, you know, does he read the game well, and, you know, you do that. You can do that no matter where he's playing. If he was playing midget AAA or playing like elite league or junior, so we we try to really concentrate on on those attributes that we're marking. You know, like sometimes you people say, "Oh, it's just high school hockey," uh, right? And T.J. Oshie and you know Ryan McDonough, and yeah. Dick Boogstad and Brock Nielsen, yeah, they all came out of just high school hockey, and they are all first round picks, and they all end up being captains or assistant captains in their in the NHL. So, you know, like I said, we won't get too hung up in the environment. We're going to evaluate the attributes, and uh, I mean that's that's kind of the way we roll with that. And and our goaltending situation is really interesting. I mean, we 
our scouts do a good job of, of uh, Clearly. picking goalies. I mean, we've had our goalie coaches over the years, including Scott Murray, you know, kind of try to educate the guys a little bit more on what to look for. And we have one particular uh, scout on staff, Daryl Bumgarner, mm-hmm. who's kind of our amateur goalie guru, so to speak, you know. So Daryl always has a look at them. And then we involve our American League coach, goalie coach, and our, you know, NHL coach, Scott, and tell them kind of who we like and we get their opinion on uh, on what they think of these young goalies and I know they were you know Scott was really happy that we had the opportunity to uh, to draft Antoine so it's a it really is a group process like it is for all positions but it seems like it almost even more maybe with more the, so with, with the with yeah. the goalies yeah certainly sounds like it um and and I I loved how when we asked you about him on Thursday in Nashville, just right away before the question was even finished, you could see a, a grin breaking out on your face. You were clearly excited. I mean, you guys gave up an asset to, to be able to make this pick. So it was, I mean, he'll be theoretically eligible for the draft again next year had you, had you not. So this, this seems like something that you wanted to get done now and not risk the fact that maybe this guy – makes himself a little more visible to, to the other 31 teams in the league. But I wonder also, like, what what is an ideal trajectory for him? Would it just be to, you know, uh, matriculate to the Swiss Pro League and, and play there? And, and, you know, you guys watch him from afar for a few years and see how he develops because we see that where you know teams draft European goaltenders and maybe they come over when they're 25 20 you you guys have rights to European draft choices essentially in perpetuity I think right yeah no for sure and I mean there's lots of different uh, uh, opportunities I think for him you know he's obviously he's got the Swiss Junior League you know who knows what he can do next year as far as uh playing time when the elite league, but a lot of times there's older goalies that are going to be starting. I know he's had um, some interest, I think, from some NCAA schools. He's had interest wow. for okay. import draft. So it seems like uh, there is a lot of interest in him. Mm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get him here at camp and uh, we'll take a look at things and, and, you know, try to see which is the best way for him to go. But he's got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of options, I think, at the end of the day. And you mentioned we'll get him here at camp. We should we should uh, tell the folks who are listening that we're recording this actually minutes after the day day one of camp, and he's not quite here yet. And that's because, I mean, he he was in Spain. I'm told when on holiday when when he was drafted, and so there's been a a little bit of a you know a scramble to to get him. I guess you got to get him and get his gear and get him get him over here and. Uh, sounds like he'll be here tomorrow, and tomorrow being Sunday, and then on the ice uh, on Monday. Yeah, no, it was uh, he was in Spain. I think at a family holiday, and then you're right, we had to get back to France, get his things, get back over here, and then uh, he's got to go and get his you know medical done, like all the players yeah. do. So, yeah, but it's just it's good we got him here, and uh, we'll be able to have a look at him. And uh, yeah, like I said, that's a really we were excited about him. You know, it's. Uh, not often we we're making trades in the seventh round to get another pick. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I've yeah. seen that that move. Yeah. You guys are, are the masters of of sliding up early in the second round and, and grabbing guys though before the uh, the 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 fall off. The there. run, yeah, yeah. There's always a run there after yeah. about ten names, twelve names, and yeah. you've got a guy there that you like. You better, you know, try to step up and, and make a play for them. 
Yeah, we've seen it a number of times. I was actually looking for you guys to do it again. But again, as we alluded to earlier, it, it wasn't there for anybody this no. year. Nobody was making those trades. Um, yeah, so now that that's your class of, of uh, 23, the six players that the Caps brought home. And now let's uh, let's roll through just a handful of guys that I wanted to ask you about who are already in the system. And and since we're on the topic of goaltenders, Mitchell Gibson, uh, fourth-round pick back in 2018, um, signed his entry-level contract, just a one-year deal, though, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's 24 years old. Um, what, I guess... Number one, can you tell us why it was a one-year deal instead of two, Is which is, I think, typical of, of kids coming out of college? And um, I mean, looking at the, the depth chart organizationally, I'm guessing that um, Clay Stevenson would, would slide up to be the um, – because Zach Fucale has gone off to the uh, uh, KHL. Uh, I, I'm guessing that Clay Stevenson would, would have the inside track to the – the splitting the uh, duties in in Hershey with Hunter Shepard and then uh, ideally Gavin Bjorklund who was injured most of last year and and maybe Mitchell Gibson would would man the nets in South Carolina. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong or, or how do you see this sort of settling between now and September? Yeah, I mean I think it's up to the kids really. I mean obviously uh, Clay had a, a year of full year of you know playing pro hockey and then went up you know. To, with Hershey at the end of the year, and as you said, you know, Garen had a uh, injury and, and really missed almost all of the year. Uh, and Mitchell's just graduating out of uh, out of university, but uh, I think it'd be a really healthy competition when it comes to uh, to training camp. You know, you got three yeah. young guys, and and I guess we'll let them battle it out and and, and see where they where they end up, where they're slotted. Uh, and and. I mean, do you need to does does Mitchell need to be in a in a position where, in order to keep him in the organization beyond this season, is it something where uh, is he going to have to see a path? Do you think, or I, I guess what I'm asking is um, the fact that he signed a one year deal does it make it more likely that he'll wander after that? No, I, I don't. No, I don't necessarily think that. You know, I, I just think that. Uh, you know, getting him into pro hockey, like I said, and getting him playing, and and uh, I mean, he had a tremendous college career, yeah. and and even from where he started, I mean, we drafted him out of the North American League. You know, not a lot of players get drafted out of the North American League, and then kind of fought his way through the through the East Coast League and on to Harvard. And I mean, uh, we thought the progression, you know, and the progress he made is uh, was really has been very significant in the last few years. So I'm excited to get him into pro hockey. And like I said, I mean, where he ends up, that's up to him. And that'll be decided by the coaches. But I'm really excited for him to see how he does. And he got to spend an afternoon on the bench in Washington yeah. backing <laughs> yeah. up and a little bit of time in Hershey. And I yeah. don't think he was a black ace because I think he had to go back and finish some, yeah, to go some back school. And finish but, school yeah. um, but that's that's a good thing to do, especially when you're uh, – you know, when you're trying to finish school at uh, at Harvard. Um, next guy I wanted to ask you about is the fifth rounder from uh, 2021, uh, Hakan Hanelt, who, uh, you know, has had a tough go of it the, the two years that he's that he's been in the Quebec League there since you guys drafted him. I think uh, just a total of 50 games. Um, what's, what's the year ahead look like for him? Stay healthy and play, play some games. You know, it was unfortunate he had uh, – you know, the shoulder injury, and then uh, he kind of got dinged up again. So he just needs to play, you know, 
and I think if he gets a, a good season, gets lots of games in, it'll be it'll be good for him and you know good for us to help in in his evaluation. You know, it's sometimes those injuries happen and yeah. they're unfortunate. I mean, look at Riley Sutter. You know, yeah. Riley had a real tough go first couple of years of pro. It's just like he was got injured and just start to get healthy, to get injured again, and then I watched this year where I know Riley had a really good uh, summer of training and watching Hershey play during the year and then catching him again in the playoffs, I was like, wow. I mean, he really started to look like the guy that we drafted. You know, he was winning face-offs. He was hard on pucks, you know, big body. Um, So sometimes those injuries come in bunches too. And um, it's frustrating for the player, you know, but uh, that's the way it is. You know, you, you deal with that adversity and get yourself healthy and work hard in the gym and look what happened to Riley Sutter, you know, and I was Calder Cup champion too. Yeah, and he was he was excellent throughout that series, and and Hanel similar to Highland, um, you know, easy to to have him play that that overage year given the, you know, there's no lack of of forward depth right now at, at the Hershey level for sure. Um, Brent Johnson um, drafted in uh, 2021 as well, defenseman taken in the third round, and it it seemed like um, I I think he may have been nicked up a little bit as well, but didn't get a lot of games in those two seasons at UND, and it looks like he's moving south a little bit to uh, Ohio State for his uh, junior season. Um, I haven't talked to him. Was that a, a, a is that a decision that you think is going to put him into a better role and a a better position to showcase what he can do here in the in the season ahead. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he had the uh, he had the injury, you know. Um, I guess in hindsight, you probably look back and maybe another year in the uh, USHL mm-hmm. might have been good for him. But North Dakota wanted him, you know, to yeah. come in and and uh, and be there right away. And then uh, probably lost a little bit of confidence along the ways, you know. And then you're kind of in and out of the lineup. And so I think this will be good for him. It'll be. A, a fresh start, kind of a reset for him, and and uh, I think he'll end up playing a lot more and getting good ice time, and we'll see how he does. And all these kids that we're talking about too, they they also had to play through the the pandemic, yep. you know, during a major critical part of their development as well, which again, yep. completely out of their control. And then the last guy I want to ask you about is um, the guy that you pulled in the third round last year at number seventy uh, overall, um, Suzdalov, who played on. Uh, Connor Bedard's team out out west there, and and had a really good season in his first season in the in the Western League. And to me, the intriguing thing is that, that he was not drafted out of the Western League. He was drafted from his uh, team in in the Swedish League. So he's not bound by those those th- th- that agreement between the NHL and the Canadian Junior Leagues that that he can't play pro until his age 20 season this kid theoretically if he's up to it if you guys think he's ready for it he can turn pro at the age of 19 this fall if i'm not mistaken no that's correct it was uh kind of similar to john carlson too i mean john wasn't drafted out of europe right john was taken out of the ushl and if he could draft that out of the ushl even though john went and played in the ontario league the next year he was still able to play as a 19-year-old in the American League, which he did um, the same year that he mm-hmm. scored that overtime goal for the uh, U.S. And then, uh, you know, I think he might have even won the Calder Cup also. Or, uh, or it might have been the year after, but he was there. 
No, he won the Calder yeah. that year, and he, and he scored a, a, a pretty big goal in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs for the Caps, his first playoff yeah. goal. It was a, it was a pretty busy 90-some games yeah. for him that year. So, yeah, no, so Alex, he's got options for sure. You know, I mean, he can he can play in the American Hockey League, even though he's a 19-year-old. He can play back in Regina, you know, with the Pats. I mean, there's always, you know, his team in Europe, uh, really good year in Regina, you know. Like he had 80-some points, and I think yeah. a lot of people, oh, he played with Con Bernard. Uh Not not 5-1-5. Uh, five, five. <laughs> you know, that's my hometown. Yeah. I saw a few games there, and and uh, they would play 5-1-5 five, five together if it was later in a game and they were down by a goal. Mm. But uh, for the most part, they played on different lines, 5-1-5. Five, five. I think the theory there, talking to the Regina people, is they were trying to spread the scoring out sure. over two lines instead of loading it up on one line. And then they obviously played together right on the power play. On the power play yeah. did really well. And then when Connor was gone, too, at the, uh, at the World Junior, you know, uh, Alexander played really well. You know, as far as in those five or six games when when Bedard was gone, so great experience for him playing on a small ice, uh, probably playing more of a North American style mm-hmm. of game where you need to attack more instead of you know delaying and regrouping. And so I think that was really, really good for him. Um, yeah, and a good a good summer of training will really help probably determine where he ends up. You know, when we draft him, he was. It was slight, sure. And so, you know, the American Hockey League is a—it's a fantastic league, and it's uh, some big, strong—you know—adults playing in yeah, that league. So, sure. so we'll see how he does when he when he uh, at this camp. We'll see how he does after he, he does his training in the off season, and uh, you know, make that decision uh, comes the end of September. So he could play, obviously, in the Western League. He could play pro North America. He could even go back to Sweden or, you know, somewhere in Europe. But given what you said and how well he adjusted to the North American game, yeah, it, it makes he'll more be, sense no, to keep be, him on this side of yeah, the pond. Yeah, he'll be uh, he'll replace someplace in North America, of course, right. for sure. Great. Yeah. Well, as always, Ross, uh, I can't thank you enough for all your, all your time. You're so gracious with us. And uh, this is our third, uh, third time talking on the record in the last 10 days. It's, you know, one of my favorite times of the year. And, um, Always appreciate your insight and your your uh, your willingness to share it with the rest of us. Well, your uh, your knowledge and your background work you do makes this really easy. It really does. So it's a uh, you know compliment to you for being so well prepared. I appreciate that. And I'll put the check in the mail. <laughs> Thanks to Ross Mahoney as always, and uh, we'll see you next time on the next edition of Break the Ice. Mm-hmm.